Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to Raptors Flex Plus. I am your host, Kyle. Yeah. And welcome back to the channel, man. Appreciate everyone for tuning in. Um, please don't forget to like, share, subscribe, all those different things on your way in. And um, normally I come at y'all the next day, but today I just want to get this out the way, man. I just want to get this out the way because we went up against the defending NBA champions, Denver Nuggets, and we lost 113-104 on the strength of Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. First and foremost, welcome home to Jamal Murray, man. Welcome home. At this point, I mean, it's time to have the conversation at some point. I would say at this point. But I think I want to do another Flex Committee episode to talk about it. Go back and check out episode 35. It was a fly conversation. I got everything timestamped. Whatever you want to listen to, just click on the button. Yeah. But show the conversation that I want to have at some point is the best Canadian basketball players of all time. I think the top three is just, you know, obvious. Steve Nash, of course, two-time MVP. Shy Gildris Alexander, who was an MVP candidate. And Jamal Murray, those are the top three guys. Those are the top three Canadians of all time, man. And they're probably in that order to keep it a buck with you. The, the real conversation is who's going to challenge Steve Nash for number one. And I think that's more of just a longevity thing for those two guys, Shy and, and Jamal, in terms of touching what Steve Nash was able to do. But at some point, when it's said and done, those guys will be in the conversation. So welcome home to Jamal Murray. You put on a nice little show tonight. And um, as Canadians, we all root for you, but not when it's against the Raptors, bro. <laughs> Straight up, man. You know the flex, bro. You know the flex. You know, but I also want to give a little bit of a appreciation for his dad. Roger Murray came on and he had a little quick interview there on the podcast. Sorry, on on the broadcast, not the podcast. And, um, you know, he was just talking about the importance of family and the importance of sticking together and the importance of setting goals and working hard. And you just never know what you would achieve if you just keep your head in the game, man. So salute. To you, Mr. Roger Murray, you are an inspiration to all the Canadian fathers out there who want our children, boy or girl, playing the NBA, WNBA one day, man. And um, you were able to get that job done, putting that work in with Jamal, man. And the proof is in the pudding because Jamal is a baller. And we know that. If it wasn't for injuries, you start talking about Jamal and Shy in the same breath. Respectfully, right now, Shy is just kind of just separating himself from the pack right now. This guy's a real MVP candidate in this league, and it's not even a question. This guy's averaging 31-something a game. You know what I mean? So Shy is doing his thing, and when he comes home, you will get the same salute. But tonight was about Jamal and the Nuggets, and really tonight was about Jokic, y'all. Jokic. We don't have any answer for Jokic. 
Coming into the season, we know that we never have no answer for Jokic. And this is why I was calling for in the preseason from a roster perspective that we need another big. And I've been saying this now. I've been beating on the table for another big. I'm not, I'm not saying an all-star caliber big. I'm just saying another like competent big that can come off the bench and do his thing just to guard Jokic. But that's not to take anything away from what Precious Achua did tonight. He had a fantastic game. So I don't want to downplay what Precious did tonight. He definitely helped us get back in the game in the fourth quarter. Shout out to Precious Achua, man. And the bench in general. Sometimes you just got to give credit where credit is necessary, man. And the starters tonight... Outside of Pascal and Scotty, the rest of them were just missing an, an missing an action. They were MIA. MIA, including you, Mr. OG Ananobi. You know, and I and having a podcast, sometimes you kind of double think and you think to yourself, man, like I'm calling out these NBA players like I could actually sniff the NBA. And I can't. But I'm talking from a fan's perspective, and I want to speak respectfully. Yo. OG did not have a good game tonight. Did not, especially coming off of what we saw against Charlotte. Now, they said this multiple times on the broadcast, and we will all say it as fans, anyone that watches the NBA. We know that Charlotte's not even close to the caliber of team that the Denver Nuggets are. So, you know, I don't think that's still an excuse for OG to not have a better game tonight. And it, and it happens from game to game. Sometimes it's just not there for you. It's just not there for you. But to score in, like, single digits, I think he may have ended the game with, like, four points or something like that. I'm going to just double-check that real quick. Oh, he had, the, he had nine points on four of nine shooting. But that's not good enough against a team like Denver. It's not, which is why it was imperative that we got scoring from other places. And the bench did their thing, man. That lineup of Malachi Flynn, believe it or not, Malachi Flynn, He's up and down, but anyways, this lineup, Malachi Flynn, Precious Tachua, Chris Boucher, Gary Trent Jr., and OG Ananobi, they put that work in in the fourth quarter and got us back in the game because the starters were not doing anything outside of Pascal and Scotty. And for the longest in the fourth quarter, Pascal and Scotty didn't even have a shot attempt. Not even a shot attempt. But that doesn't take away from what they're doing for the majority of the game from quarter one to three you know especially scotty barnes i mean he was playing his ass off tonight he was playing his ass off tonight and there was times when he was guarding Jokic one-on-one why because we don't have that other big to guard Jokic. i know achua had himself a good game and he could get here on a few possessions here and there but really what you saw was when perto when perto was in the game there'd be the occasional double team on Jokic. The occasional double team. And Jokic was taking him on one-on-one for majority of the time when he was in the game. Um, Jakob Perto was taking on Jokic with the occasional double. And then when Perto came out the game, um, and Jokic also was out the game, and then Jokic came back, Perto didn't come back. Then that's when you saw it was every time down the court, you basically got to throw a double at Jokic, and what that did was it opened up the passing lanes, it opened up the driving lanes, guys were getting open shots, and we are lucky, we should be counting our lucky stars 
that we didn't lose by more tonight because the amount of open threes that the Nuggets missed tonight, uh, I can't count them on one hand. I can't. Or maybe I can, but I mean, nah, I can't. Can't. So many open threes that the Nuggets got tonight just based on the fact that the Raptors' defense, it's like there's no communication out there. I, I, I'm not really even sure. I'm not sitting at courtside or on the baseline, so I don't hear it. I'd love to hear what the super fan has to say. Nav. <laughs> like, are, are these guys communicating on defense? Because hard to tell through the broadcast. And defensively, it just feels like the effort is just not there. The effort is just not there. And I've been on Darko Ryakovich maybe a little bit too much, but I've been on him. And when I say maybe a little bit too much, like sometimes you're just piling on and you're not helping. You know what I'm saying? And when I say piling on, like sometimes I'm talking about me. I'm just piling on a situation and it's not really helping. But here's the thing, right? I agree. The players need to be held accountable as well, right? The players are the ones that are out there that need to execute whatever the strategies are on defense. But they talked about how Darko has been calling multiple timeouts in the first quarter. Apparently, he's done it um, eight times in the first quarter where he's had to call two or more timeouts in the first quarter. And that is second in the NBA, next to Indiana, apparently, who has nine. So that's not a normal thing. But Darko's trying a thing just to say, like, yo, guys, come on. But the way that I look at it is, like, we can blame the players all we want. But the players obviously are not responding to the coach. They're not responding. Because there's no way that you just call all these timeouts and then you come back from the timeout and there's no run by the Raptors. Things just seem regular. They're just going in the way that they were going in before the timeout. And that's the reason why you call a second timeout. And the reason why you don't call the third timeout is because that's just way too many timeouts that you're burning in the first quarter. So something's not right there, man. We're not, we're not, we're not responding to Darko for whatever reason. The man and are not responding, man. But um, yeah, apparently this is a series that we've split with Denver for the last four years, and we lost the first one of it this year. I'm not so sure that we're gonna get that second game against them in denver by the way in denver that's one of the hardest places to play in all of professional sports because they talk about the elevation right you're in the rocky mountains so the air is thinner up there so they say that denver has a home court advantage because it's just a different type of air right so it's hard to breathe up there you're not you're not sucking in as much oxygen as you're running up and down the court so they say that it's a home court advantage some people downplay it and say that it's not but the point of the matter is, is that it's not going to be easy for the Raptors to continue this trend of splitting the series with Denver for a fifth straight season, especially after you just dropped the first one at home. Denver's a championship caliber team. They, they, they've already played 16 games on the road. They are 8-8 eight and eight on the road. We are 8-8 eight and eight at home. Denver has a winning record at home. So when we go back there, <sighs> It's going to be trouble, man. It's going to be trouble. 
But nevertheless, right, the Raptors came out all right in this game. Right? They came out with the intent to get in the paint and go at Jokic. And I wish that they kept that up for the game, man. Like, my whole strategy against going up against Jokic is I would consistently have him in some sort of action where he's got to move, the pick and rolls and all that, like, at the top of the key. Consistently just bring him out, which is why it hurts to have a guy like Pirtle who's really not a threat at the three-point line on a pick and roll. Like, what are you, what are you scared of? You know Pirtle's not going to shoot no threes. You know Pirtle's not going to shoot a long two. And if Pirtle puts the ball on the floor, it's just a bad situation all around for Toronto. Bad situation. I don't want Pirtle putting the ball on the floor. I don't like when Pirtle puts the ball on the floor. He did it tonight. At one point, I think he had like a matchup against a rookie or somebody like Najee, I think it was. I might be wrong on that, but he had a matchup. It wasn't Jokic guarding him. And he tried to like back in, in the paint, back to the ba- uh, back to the basket post type of stuff. And he put the ball down on the floor twice and got stripped. Like, that's the type of stuff I'm talking about. So we're limited in terms of how we can uh, strategize to just make um, Jokic play defense outside of the paint. You know, so you're already at a disadvantage. And I don't know, like, maybe that's why everyone's calling for, like, some of these lineup changes. And and sometimes it needs to be, like, a game-to-game thing where you – strategize kind of like a playoff game in some senses where you make adjustments because you know what Pirtle, um, not Pirtle, you know what Jokic brings to the floor. You know what Jokic brings to the floor. You know who he is. And he doesn't want to be out there on the three-point line guarding mans. He does not want to be out there. It doesn't mean that he's not going to try out there. It doesn't mean that he's just straight trash out there. But you're going to find some advantages if you're able to pull him out there. And he was not out there tonight. Everything that um, Jokic was doing, guarding the rim, at the paint, in the paint. But, again, I thought we did a good job going at him early. For some reason, we went away from it, right? Like, Pascal was eating in the first quarter. Scotty had some baskets in the first quarter. You know? But, like, we've been talking about these trends in the first quarter for the Raptors, and the broadcast been talking about it as well. Like, we, we're we not a good first quarter team. And in my opinion, sometimes we are. We have the ability to be. And most of the time we're not, right? For me, it's quarter to quarter, game to game. There's no real game outside the Mavericks game, in my opinion. And I'm talking about playing, like, good teams, not like the Pistons and these types of guys that have lost 20-plus straight. Like, Jesus. Oh, man. I'm complaining as a Raptors fan, but as a Pistons fan, that must be tough, man. But at the same time, at least they know that they're developing guys. Nobody wants to lose like that. I think they're coming up on the record at some point, which I believe is owned by Philadelphia. I think it was 28 losses in a row, but that was split between two seasons. Like at the back half of one season and into another season or something like that. But the Pistons right now, they 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 are not a team that you want to have like measuring stick stuff against when you play them. You know what I mean? So when I say like our most complete game, I, I really feel like it was Dallas because they weren't undermanned in that game. They showed up in that game. They played, we played, and it was really just one run again in the third quarter that put put the game away for us. But anyways, I, I I digress, right? Like, 
closing the quarters. Just not good. Not good. Not good at all. When Perto picked up his second foul, like midway through the first quarter, it was a two-point lead for Denver. Denver then finished that quarter with a plus seven when Jokic went out. Sorry, when uh, Perto went out. A plus seven. And for that quarter in general, they said it was a 26 to 11 run. So that's literally just like what we do, man. That's literally what we do. We give up these runs to end the quarter. And uh, we're burning timeouts early. We get something working and then we go away from it. I just don't get it. I just do not get it. And our defense is not good anymore. It's not good anymore. Denver shot 54% in the first quarter. 54%. For the rest of the game, Denver ended at exactly 50% from the floor. So they kept the same energy the entire game, basically. The same energy. Even when their bench guys came in, their bench played pretty well. Pretty well. And when you look at it, that's really just first and second year guys outside of Reggie Jackson. Right? So you have your veteran guy, your steady veteran guy, Reggie Jackson, on the bench, running with the bench, that's keeping the young guys in check. It's so important. It's so important for me personally. Like, I think the Raptors could benefit from having a veteran point guard off the bench as well, man. And this is why I was calling for Dennis to move to the bench. And the cries, not the cries, but like the fans are getting louder. The fans are getting louder about this in terms of shaking up the starting lineup. And I even heard Jack talking about it tonight as well on the broadcast, shaking up that starting lineup. And Jack was actually shocked when the Raptors came out in the second half with the same starting lineup. Unbelievable, man. Unbelievable stuff. But nevertheless, I thought both bench units played well in this game, even in the second quarter. It was good basketball, too. It wasn't bad basketball. Like, that kid Peyton Watson, man, that kid can jump out the gym. That Peyton Watson kid, yo. Second-year player. I don't think he got any burn last year because he had, like, Bruce Brown and these guys on the squad. But they're relying on some of these second-year guys and first-year guys to get them through the regular season this year. And then whoever rises to the top of that group, once the playoffs comes around for the Nuggets, when they shorten up their rotations to eight on most nights, maybe nine on some nights, depending on who you're playing, for like matchups and stuff, some of those kids, right now, they're playing for playoff minutes because they understand what's being asked of them right now. And then you have a steady hand like Reggie Jackson being able to keep those guys in check. The Raptors could use something like that. And, and it's not that I want to like just dash away Malachi Flynn. I'm not like, I'm not going to be mad if Malachi Flynn is traded at some point, man. Like, we botched that whole situation with Malachi Flynn. And, like, now we're mad at him because 
you know, three seasons later, he's not playing up to snuff when we really need him. But you can't just expect guys that never played before to just all of a sudden start getting minutes and be good. This is his development year right now. This is literally his development year. How many times they sent Malachi Flynn down to the Raptors 905 last year? I don't know. I don't know the answer, but I remember Malachi Flynn sitting on the bench for the Raptors for most of that season, if not all of it. So kudos to him, though, for playing a pretty good game tonight. Again, he's kind of up and down, left or right sometimes. We don't really know what we're getting from him. But when he has a good game, you give credit to it, yo. Him, Precious Achua, Chris Boucher, Gary Trent Jr. showed up off the bench today. And they played well. So good for that, man. But the Denver unit, you know, Peyton Watson, Kristen Brown. You know what I mean? Like, these guys, they have athleticism. They have energy. Like, these guys are just coming out there, just playing their hardest. You can just tell the energy level is different. The energy level is just different for the Nuggets. For the most part, like, I don't watch the Nuggets play every night, so I don't know. This might have just been, like, a one-off for them. But for based on what I saw from them, it's pretty impressive. It's pretty impressive from that bench unit because the Raptors had one of their better games from our bench unit. And Denver's bench stood up to that with younger players. So, yeah, man. Um... Jokic came back in the game at some point in the second quarter, and they were up 10, basically, at that point, right? And then, again, they finished the first quarter, sorry, the first half up by 17. So then they go another plus seven when Jokic comes back in the game. Like, you know what I'm saying? I don't know, man. I don't know. So, like, the Raptors went plus one with, with Jokic on the bench and then minus seven when he came back into the game. And overall, we were like minus eight for like the second quarter. We were down 17 going into, into halftime. You know, and we got down by at 21 again tonight, guys. 21. This is why I say that this was an on-brand performance by the Raptors. On-brand. It doesn't matter if... You know, the bench played well tonight, but some of the starters didn't. Or in other games, all the starters play well, but the bench doesn't show up. All the ingredients are still in the same damn bowl. And when you mix it up, it still produces the same results all the time. Like the end result. It doesn't change. The Raptors get down. They try to come back. Sometimes they don't come back. <sighs> So frustrating, man. It's so frustrating with this team. So frustrating. And, and we just got, like, dominated again on, like, second chance points, man. I think we ended the game with, like, 18 to 10 and second chance points. But at the end of the third quarter, it was, like, 18 to 4. You know? So that's plus 14 in second chance points. And Denver was up 15 at the end of the third. Right? We went plus 2 in the third. But, like, Malachi Flynn hit a three at the end of the third quarter where it really should have been a minus one. 
in terms of plus minus for that quarter. You can't be down 17. You got down as much as 21 in the third quarter and expect to win the game when you're only plus two in the third quarter. Plus two. I don't know, man. It, again, it, it was nice to see the bench guys get off, but it's all in vain. It's all for nothing because what do we get from it? The final score is not indicative of how the game went, yo. The Raptors made it close in the fourth quarter. We got down by like five. And that unit was playing their butts off. Trust me. I don't want to take nothing away from that bench unit plus OG Ananobi that was doing their thing. But let's not forget as well. They were also going up against Denver's bench, right? Denver's bench for most of that time. And then Mike Malone was forced to bring back Jokic and Murray early. Because he's like, yo, we're not going to let this game get out of hand. And the game went on another couple of minutes with Jokic and Murray in there before Barnes got subbed in, before Barnes, Pascal, and Schroeder got subbed in, where that bench unit plus OG, they were still balling against Jokic and these guys. Balling. But the problem is that when Jokic comes back in the game, it's the same thing that I was talking about earlier. Without Pearl in the game, you got to double him. You got to double him. And what does that do? It opens up the passing lanes. It opens up the driving lanes. It creates open shots. It creates mismatches on the boards because we got murdered on the offensive boards. I'm pretty sure of it. Let me double check and see what the stats were on the offensive boards. But like 15 to 10. And I'm pretty sure that it was really just that fourth quarter where the Raptors were able to make it look respectable, yo, on the offensive board stats. Because Jokic was getting everything he wants, yo. Two tips, three tips, bucket. Does anybody know where um, Christian Coloco is? Like, yo, man, I don't know if he could do anything against Jokic. Obviously not. Right, Jokic is the best player in the NBA. Like I've been saying, yo, I'm willing to have that conversation with anybody, with anybody in terms of who the best uh, player in the NBA is. But nobody can't tell me that Jokic is not like a top three player in the NBA, if not number one. But yeah, man, we're struggling in those areas, man. We're struggling in those areas. There's another game last week. I can't even recall it anymore where we basically got dominated on the boards and lost the game. I think it was maybe the Knicks or somebody. I don't even know. It's hard to keep up now because it feels like it's like game to game. Oh, we don't get killed on the offensive boards in this game. But in that game, we had mad turnovers that led to points off turnovers. You know what I mean? It's, if it's not one thing, it's another. So, like, I'm not even, like, vexed at this point, man. I'm not even vexed, man. This team is who they are, man. This team is definitely who they are. And what we saw tonight was right on brand. Right on brand. <sighs> we could blame the refs all we want about that Dennis Schroeder foul that was not called a foul. And then Darko thought that he could challenge it. And then they told him, yo, bro, you just wasted your time out. You can't challenge that. Now, I didn't know that you couldn't challenge that, 
but I'm also not the coach of the Raptors. So whose job is it to know the rules in terms of when you can challenge and when you can't challenge? That is up to the head coach and the assistant coaches on the bench, yo. Or maybe Darko thought he was slick and he could pull one over on Secaucus, New Jersey. Because I'm pretty sure as soon as those referees probably went to the monitor, Secaucus called in and be like, yo, this, you can't do that, fam. <laughs> oh, my God, man. So, yeah, another another L in the books for the Raptors. And things are not looking good, man. Things are not looking good with the next 10 of 12 games on the road. Tall task, man. And you got to go see Joel Embiid on Friday. Philadelphia just stomped out Minnesota tonight. Minnesota's first in the West, huh? So, like... Oh, my God. I don't know, man. Um, I really won't be surprised if we see a trade in January. I know, like... I know Masai and Bobby are going to do something before the trade deadline, and maybe it might even be on trade deadline day. But would it surprise anybody if we saw something in January at this point? Because what if the Raptors go on, like, this losing streak now over the next 12 games, you lose eight of them? Not good, man. Not good. Or maybe you just need to play it strategically and be like, you want to know what? We're just going to play these games out to the trade deadline. If we lose games, we lose games. And try to secure a top six, which is even crazy to just think that that is the strategy. Right? Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. And you're going to see a lot of the same stuff again um, against Joel Embiid defensively. Right? Because obviously they're going to start off with Pirtle guarding him. I'd be surprised if Pirtle is the one left out of the starting lineup if Coach Darko wants to make a change in, in terms of his starters. I think we all know what needs to be done here, right? Dennis Schroeder needs to go to the bench, y'all. Now, he had a bad game today. He didn't play well. He's had some really good games also. So it's not like I just want to just dash him away and be like, yo, trade this guy. I'm not saying that. You know what I'm saying? What I'm saying is he might be better served on the bench right now. Run with those bench guys. Keep them organized. And you're still going to get your shots. Because who are the big scorers off the bench? If you're moving Gary into the starting lineup, you're really probably the best scorer off the bench at that point, Dennis Schroeder. Personally, for me, I've been saying this for a while. I know Grady Dick's been struggling. They got him down 905, trying to um develop and all this stuff. But I would put Grady Dick in the starting lineup, move Dennis to the bench, and let Dennis and Gary work. That's me personally. And then see if um Grady can get off with the big squad. Because you're still going to give him minutes. He still needs to learn how to develop his defense to an NBA defense. And if you're building around Scotty Barnes, 
You want Grady Dick to get some minutes with Scotty Barnes so that they can understand each other's tendencies and those types of things. Because I'm pretty sure that we're not going to trade away Grady Dick this year. I don't see that happening. It doesn't make sense. It, if you believe in this guy, Grady Dick, right? Because obviously you drafted him because you believe that he could fill some of the needs for this team. And that might be another issue, what Toronto did also, right? Because in professional sports, they tell you don't draft for need. Draft the best player available regardless of position. That's in like every sport, yo. Unless you have like the luxury of having just like your whole roster filled out and somehow you get a lottery pick somehow, then you can kind of be a little more selective in that regard, you know? But don't be like a Pistons when they passed up on Carmelo Anthony for Darko Milicic. That, that was the biggest blunder in draft history, if you ask me. I know that there's been some busts or, you know, I don't really even like that word, but it is what it is. We all know what, what I'm talking about when I say bust, man. Guys that had high potential were expected to be something better, and they just totally just, you know, were not that. I'm not going to call out any names because we, <laughs> we're already bigging up Canadians tonight. I'm not doing that, y'all. But anyways, um, Grady Dick's not going nowhere, in my opinion, right? Whether we made the blunder and drafted for ne for a position of need because the Raptors needed a three-point shooter and we didn't get the best player available, I'm not sure where things were on their draft board. But if this is your first-round pick and this is really a development year, Get him in there. Get him in there, man. Maybe some things might click and Dennis and Gary become like a one-two punch off the bench. And then you have guys like Precious and Chris Boucher where from night to night, these guys are going to show up. But if you have a point guard, a steady point guard, that's able to get them the ball, which sometimes Dennis don't be doing that, yo. Sometimes he looks like he just wants to eat. But he has the potential to get these guys the ball, right? You've been in the league long enough, fam. But the point I was trying to make with all that is you're probably going to see the same thing again against um, Philadelphia, where Perdo's going to be the only one really that can guard Joel Embiid one-on-one. -on -one. Well, that will attempt to guard him one-on-one. -on -one. You may catch some one-offs with a Scotty Barnes or an OG Ananobi, but generally what you might see from Darko if he continues with the same tendencies is that the occasional double when Perdo's in the game and then when Perdo's not in the game, majority doubles and one-off man-to-man defense with the Scotty Barnes, OG Adenobi, Pascal Siakam. <sighs> I don't know, Raptors fans. I really don't know, man. I keep saying this now, like... Yo, I was talking to my pops. My pops like, yo, I'm kind of losing interest in this team, yo. Because my dad, he's like a, a football and like a soccer guy. and You know what I'm saying? He likes basketball, but he's not really a basketball guy. But he watches basketball. He'll watch the Raptors. You know what I'm saying? And like, I talked to him today like, yo, man, this team's kind of losing me, guy. They're losing me. And I'm not mad at him, guy. I'm like, yeah, because they keep losing, bro. And that's the thing. Like a lot of people don't really have time for the lose for watching losing basketball when there's like NFL on, 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like other things are going in your college football season, all these ball games. You know, for me, I'm going to keep watching the Raptors. I love my team. I love my squad. I love basketball. Love those other sports too, but I'm, love me some basketball still, y'all, especially the Raptors. But I'm not mad at, you know, people like my pop saying, yo, I lose the interest in this team, man. But Raptors fans, we got to see it through, man. We have to see it through. Messiah and Bobby, they have a tall task ahead of them. I think they are up for the task. Like Kanai said yesterday on episode 35 of the Flex Committee, basically, Messiah and Bobby can't blunder this trade deadline again. They cannot, man. And if somehow they show that level of incompetence, I would not be surprised. If Larry Tannenbaum and the Board of Governors, man, I don't even want to get there. I don't want to get there, man. We just need to pick a direction and roll with it. Roll with it. Get some pieces, man. So anyways, um, yeah, man, that is all I have on this game. So if you made it to the end of this video... I appreciate you. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. If you're not subbed, please sub up, like, share, subscribe, comment down below. And I'm still would like to give away a Raptors Flex Plus Took. So continue sharing. Let's get some more subscribers in here. Once the winter starts getting cold, 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 you're gonna have a flight took that you can put on and represent represent us, yo, because. Right now, just a little message for everybody that's subscribed right now, right? Us together, we are building something together. You know what I'm saying? Building something together. And this podcast is going to go places. I'm telling y'all, it is going to go places. And I know that y'all feel the same. That's because you're rocking with me, right? You're rocking with me. And I love y'all and I appreciate y'all for it. For any of the new subs coming in, come join the fam. Come join the team, man. It's all love over here, man. It is always love. We lead with love over here. That's just how it goes. But in terms of the Raptors, my job right now is to just tell it how it is, man. And this team right now, right on brand, yo. Right on brand. So anyways... You know the flex is me, guys, and I'm out.